Diving stop Chapman. The backhanded flip to Bichette. And on to first for the double play. What a remarkable play by Matt Chapman to start an inning-ending double play. Hello and welcome to episode 223 of section 138. It is a sweep in good old Boston for the Toronto Blue Jays. They have now won three in a row against the Red Sox and are coming off a fantastic road trip, including a swing to New York and taking three of four from the mighty Yankees. Bryson, how are you? I'm doing good, Mark, especially after tonight. I mean, this we're recording this right after the epic game on the Thursday night, over four hours uh, in Boston, extra innings, and of course, you can't forget that Yankee series as well that we missed uh, last weekend. So this was a 6-1 and one road trip, and I guess just to recap the recent one, there's just something about Fenway Park and this team just, I guess, getting the best out of the Jays in terms of even when things are going back and forth, they find ways to win at Fenway Park, but overall, a great road trip after the last few road trips have been a bit shaky. We know that the team was kind of just getting back in a groove when the road trip started. So it's good to see where this team is at the end of the road trip. And I think confidence is definitely coming back. I know the last time we recorded, you still weren't as sold as I was when I kind of had that intro. So I will ask you, are you kind of feeling a little bit better after this road trip? I, how could I say no? You take you go 6-1 and one against two very um, you know, potent AL East rivals, even though the Red Sox aren't really in the mix or they're kind of on the verge of being in the mix right now. I mean, you go six and one against a combination of the Red Sox and the Yankees on the road, no less. You can't say no to being optimistic about this team, but I do stand by what I said last time, because last time we recorded, it was after a two to one series loss against the Baltimore Orioles. The Blue Jays were on the verge of being swept and you go back to even that final game of that series and Ross Stripling throws a perfect game through six innings and the Blue Jays can't score a run. Like It was really the final three innings of that game that kind of saved them from being totally embarrassed in that series. So I stand by what I said last time. But yes, obviously a great situation for the Blue Jays to be in. Six and one road trip. Uh, you mentioned it there, but let's start with tonight's game. A wild four and a half hour affair. 10 innings um, for the second night in a row. The Blue Jays get big defensive plays from Matt Chapman. Again, the Blue Jays get a perfect slide and a little bit of um, you know, defensive luck in terms of the Kevin Biggio coming home to score in the 10th inning. And then, of course, the Blue Jays get incredible relief performances again from Jordan Romano, from other guys, including Anthony Bass. And, of course, we know on previous nights they get incredible relief performances from guys like um, Yimi Garcia, guys like, man, there's just so many names involved that did things this series. It kind of blows your mind. But, I mean, David Phelps with a two-inning save, or not save, but finishing at the ballgame, just – Great performances all around for the Blue Jays. You couldn't ask for anything more. And we know this team runs hot and we know this team runs cold, but right now you got to be feeling good about what the Jays are doing. You have to. I mean, this series alone, you were talking about it, the bullpen, something that 
it's been a topic of conversation basically all year for us in terms of, you know, what they're missing, how much better it can be, you know, us not exactly being as sold with the trade deadline. Um, it kind of came all together in this series. You, you were talking about it, and of course, just the all the relievers here that just, is. I guess you want to start off with the bullpen, that I guess just made things... Um, you know, for the Jays to win these games, especially these last two games and extra innings. Before this series, I believe that, like, in terms of this year, the Jays haven't exactly played well in extra innings. So the fact that they were finding ways to win in extra innings, especially two straight days at Fenway Park, um, and the fact that you're sweeping another series at Fenway Park to begin with, that just seems a lot of that is just very difficult to begin with. So I think the only negative part from the bullpen through the last three days, and you're going to laugh with this, is probably from game one with Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, other than that, I think everything was pretty much going as per plan. You were talking about it with David Phelps, two great innings in game. This was going back to game one, and of course, other than Kikuchi. And then I think the real highlight, or there was a really good moment with Anthony Bass when he came on uh, pretty much with runners on base, and he found a way to get out of it. And of course, that was later in the game leading up to extra innings, which pretty much gave the Jays a good chance in extra innings to win. That was definitely one of the highlights for me from game two with that. And of course, with uh, Adam Simber having a good re- a good appearance, you talk about with Jimmy Garcia, Jordan Romano is my next highlight. Of course, two straight days now, he works uh, multiple innings, or I should just say he, and he throws a lot of pitches. You go to the game one, um, or I should say his first game of the series in game two, he throws 15 pitches, he completes the save, uh, and then of course you go in, or sorry, he gets the win. And then if you go into game three, uh, he comes in early, he pitches two uh, innings, and you haven't really seen that this year in terms of him pitching multiple innings or multiple batters in back-to-back days like that. You have to imagine he's got a good off day coming tomorrow, but the fact that the Jays also made it worth it because of how used or overworked this bullpen was this series, you make it worth it going into the homestand, the fact that you were able to sweep uh, the Red Sox, the fact that it came out on top, um, I think that's a massive highlight, of course, with that. So you had Romano, of course, 28 pitches today in Game 3, and of course you got to look behind him with uh, who came in earlier in the game, of course, with Anthony Bass again, with Adam Simber again, um, and the fact with Jordan Romano coming into the game, and of course getting out of a bases loaded jam, that was also really huge. There were really good moments with that, that the team was able to escape, and of course earlier in the game as well, escaping a leadoff triple uh, from Reese McGuire, where Teoscar Hernandez kind of misplayed the ball in right field. Another moment of this series where they were able to avoid disaster from that. There was tons of opportunities that the Red Sox had to put this team away today, especially today in Game 3. I think their runners in scoring position were 3-for-20 in Game 3, and the bullpen was pretty much the reason why they were able to limit Boston in that and the fact that they were able to come out on top and the offense that they put together was just enough to get by the Red Sox, it was huge. And, of course, we, we're going to talk about the offense in a little bit, so I'll save that. But in terms of the bullpen alone, you just multiple appearances from these guys that we've mentioned and the fact that they were able to shut down the Red Sox again to complete the sweep. It's just you're not used to seeing that, and it is a lot to ask for when you think of it, so it's not like you want to get used to it. But the fact that they were able to do that once again is really crucial and really important as, of course, this AL wildcard race continues to tighten up, that the fact they're able to win these games and steal these games, you can't explain how important it is for, you know, the long run and the rest of the season. And these could be games that you look back on in October where you say, 
you know, these games especially were definitely highlights. And if you want to do that, you can definitely, there's definitely a couple games, especially uh, the New York series and this past series in Boston that you can definitely look back on and say this was a really important game uh, that happened back in August. Yeah, this entire road trip, you can just rewatch it endlessly because even just this series in Boston, incredible moment after incredible moment for the Blue Jays. And I know Pat Tabler said it at the end of tonight's game, but it's an instant classic for the Blue Jays. And especially given the context of what they're going through right now and the importance of this series and the schedule of things and what they're trying to do and build up ground in the wild card race and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think the highlight for me out of the bullpen was Jordan Romano working his way out of a bases-loaded, none-out jam against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park, bottom of the ninth, it's do or die. And then not only that, but then he comes out the next inning and pitches a whole nother inning against the Red Sox and still finishes the job. So to me, that was the highlight of all of this. Um, It reminds me of, I think of this whenever there's a bases-loaded, none-out situation and the pitcher gets out of it. But there was a game back in 2014 or 2015 at Tropicana Field where Aaron Loop came in and loaded the bases himself and then got out of it. And that's always what I think of just kind of as a gold standard of being a reliever, getting in trouble, and then getting yourself out of it. And Jordan Romano did it perfectly. So that was a highlight out of the bullpen for me this series. And I think if we're looking for takeaways from what the bullpen did this series, I think the workload that we saw from the Blue Jays is unlike anything we've seen really all year or really I think even going back to kind of like 2020 2019 um, the first time that we've seen in a three-game sit set this level of intensity and workload for a lot of these guys out of the bullpen like when was the last time we saw Jordan Romano come out back-to-back days and throw two innings like I don't I can't recall the time that that has happened and I think the end result of all this what we're learning from this is how willing the Blue Jays are um, you know willing to push their relievers when the rubber meets the road and that's obviously important as we come down the stretch and the Blue Jays are expected to make the playoffs and we know that it's going to be a three-game series for the wild card and then you don't have an off day and you go straight into the American League Division Series like it's it the, the postseason this year is kind of condensed and it's a level of intensity that we haven't seen the Blue Jays go through. But this three-game series and the willingness that the Blue Jays had to push their relievers and have Jordan Romano throw you know, 25, 30 pitches on back-to-back nights and have someone like David Phelps go that deep and you know have Anthony Bass come in back-to-back nights, that type of thing, I think it shows how the Blue Jays will treat the postseason if they get there and hopefully they do. And um, I'm really encouraged that not only were they willing to push the relievers that far, but also the fact that the relievers showed up and performed in those instances. Absolutely. And you have to think of the postseason like that. And I think a result of the lockout is the reason why it is so condensed. So you're going to have a similar thing in terms of a turnaround, in terms of the amount of games you play, you liked what you're seeing from that. The fact that they're showing that 
you know, this bullpen now, the finished product at the end of the year, perhaps can maybe handle something like that. I think it was also really relieving to see from the bullpen, especially. And, you know, other than that, I think other like just strategic moves in general for me, especially coming from like John Schneider, I guess I give him a lot of credit. Um, just strategic moves other than the bullpen from him I, in terms of, you know, just working around batters, intentionally walking guys, you know, just, I guess, play or decisions he made in game two and game three that really panned out uh, really well. You know, for example, there was a situation in game two where Cordero was walked uh, to bring up, uh, I think it was Bobby Dalback or to avoid the lefty, something like that happened in game two that really worked really clean for the Jays and really avoided trouble. And then you see it the next day as well. Today in Game 3, there was another instance where they did that uh, to load the bases when Romano came on to get out of that jam. I thought a lot of the just the decisions, even f- coming from the coaching staff, I thought were really on point um, throughout the series as well. And just these are things that are likely going to come up again in the playoffs, and that's another probably thing that will uh, in terms of you know, making a decision in terms of pitching to people or pitching, not pitching to people. And of course, the bullpen management, it always comes back to that. The fact that they were able to do that over the course of three days where it worked out pretty much in every single form for the bullpen, um, I think was really also intriguing for that. And of course, it is going to be translating down to the bullpen, uh, or sorry, down to the playoffs because of, or what you saw throughout the last three days. Of course, you might see something very similar in terms of a workload like that, in terms of a turnaround, in terms of consecutive games. So that's why it's definitely important for that to happen. And of course, it's going to be like this the rest of the year. I mean, every time we record, it seems that the wild card race gets tighter and tighter. Like I believe now pretty much all three teams and currently in that wild card spot are basically within half of a game of each other. And that's the Mariners, the Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays, as much as they've built a little bit of a distance, not too much though, from teams like Baltimore and Cleveland. I think it's now just two games or I know Cleveland and Minnesota are going back for the AL central. So one of those two teams is also in that wild card race and you're separated by two games, even though it's still very close, even though you've separated a little bit, those three teams currently in that position are all pretty much within half a game of each other. So it's going to be very intense throughout the rest, you know, the next four or five weeks as well. And I think it's something that, you know, whether you like it or not, it's something that we got to get used to in terms of, you know, close games and exciting baseball and, you know, late game jams like this or game situations like this, where you're going to need a crucial outing from somebody like Jordan Romano or just the bullpen in general. Yeah. Just to provide, the numbers on the wild card race as it stands now and knowing that it's going to change in 24 hours time and with the potential to change quite dramatically. But right now, as it stands, the Rays lead by half a game over the Blue Jays. The Rays are even hotter than the Jays right now. The Rays have won six straight, eight of their last 10. They're a half game up on the Jays. The Jays are a game up on Seattle and Seattle holding that last wild card spot is two and a half up on Baltimore. Baltimore is two and a half up on Minnesota. And then you mentioned Cleveland, Minnesota going back and back and forth for the AL Central lead. Cleveland right now is two games back of the Jays. So even if they weren't leading the division, they wouldn't be in a wild card spot. They'd be a game back of a wild card spot, a game back of Seattle. So I mean just that alone. Crazy. Like so many teams involved very little separating them and yeah like I guess we're seeing a little bit separate the Blue Jays from teams like you mentioned like Baltimore and Minnesota that used to be in the mix and you know pretty recently some of them were ahead of the Jays in the race but um, yeah I mean it's super tight all these game matters and it's really encouraging to see them treating it as a playoff case and I think another one of those strategy situations that 
I thought was interesting was today we saw the five-man infield. I know we've seen a four-man outfield yeah. a lot, but I've, I'm sure they've done it. I just don't – I can't come up with an instance off the top of my head where the Jays have gone to the five-man infield anytime recently. And maybe it was just, you know, who the Red Sox had up at the plate. And I think it was Cordero in – one of the situations, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, Merrifield moving from the outfield to the infield. It was interesting to see, and, I mean, you love the intensity of it. You love the Blue Jays taking each and every play and each and every at-bat um, as life or death, because in that situation it was, and, of course, it's not a do-or-die game, but soon enough, soon enough in a month it may be. So, yeah, that was cool to see and a lot of fun to watch. Um Let's talk individual performances on the offensive side of things, or let's start here, the defensive side of things. Uh, Matt Chapman. I mean, this guy, like words can't describe what he's doing right now for the Blue Jays. And let's just set the offensive side because I think he's been better offensively than any of us expected this year. Um, You knew when the Blue Jays traded for him that they are getting a defensive first, a glove first third baseman, and the offense is second. Um, but what he's doing offensively is great and more than the Blue Jays bargained for, and you're over the moon with what he's doing. I mean, either he has a team lead now for home runs or he's close to the team lead. Like, he's right up there with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and who could have expected that at the start of the season? But I don't want to talk about his offense. I want to talk about his defense because that was otherworldly this series. I mean, the double play, the flip behind his back, backhand to Bo Bichette, throws to first for the insane double play. The play today in the ninth inning that saved the Blue Jays with one out, Chapman grabbing the ball, having the wherewithal to go to third, step on the base and throw to first, which surprised, we learned in the postgame interview, surprised Kevin Biggio, surprised Jordan Romano, surprised all of us watching, surprised Pat Tabler, surprised Dan Schulman. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that have been impressed by what Matt Chapman did this series. And um, it really goes to show that the Blue Jays front office emphasis on run prevention, on defense this season and you know years past but especially this season has paid off because man oh man Matt Chapman you know that any ball hit to the left side of the infield and hit down the line to Chapman it's game over because he is so so good and we're seeing that this year and this series I mean you can look at these games a 3-2 win yesterday a 6-5 win today you can look at the couple plays that Matt Chapman said and or made and say if he doesn't make those, the Blue Jays are walking out of this um, with you know, a series loss, only winning one game in Boston. And that's to have one player make that much of an impact defensively, I mean, that trade is instantly worth it. And we still got a couple more years of him. So lots of fun to watch. And what a series defensively for Matt Chapman. He was by far defensively, of course, the highlight. I mean, you talked about the play tonight. The fact of like how calm he was, too, when he got that liner from Kike Hernandez. He was calm. Uh, he goes to third base, and then, of course, or he steps on third base, throws it to first. And then even the overhead shot when they showed it, it shows Jordan Romano pointing for him to throw it at home on that play as well. So the fact that he was that confident, obviously he's not he's not trying to ignore his teammate, but the fact that he was that confident that he was able to escape the jam, knowing that he may be able to get away with getting two outs here, the double play himself, the fact that he was able to do that 
and be calm with it. To me, it's just how easy he made that look and to know truly how hard of a play that is. For me, of course, that's definitely a highlight. And just in general, one of the definitely one of the reasons for um, the Jays winning these games later on, especially in Game Two as well. I mean, he said it yes, or he said it in his interview in Game Two. Of course, you know the play I'm talking about with the backhanded flip that he had in Game Two. That he thought it was one of the best plays of his career in general. And um, I think Danny Jansen was the one that said it wasn't. But either way, probably as a Blue Jay, that was. Is definitely up there and may be the best play he made. And of course, you can pinpoint other dis- or other plays that he made. Of course, going back to the game tonight where he did that double play, but that backhanded flip for me as well was definitely the highlight. And, a pair- and also, Statcast tracked it in terms of his backhanded flip when he did that, and it came back at 37.4 miles per hour. So the fact that he was able to get a lot of zip on that. On a backhanded flip, I mean, you see the ang- people have seen the angle of it. I'm sure so many people have seen the video of it. The fact that he was able to get that off as well for the Jays, and and of course leading to another double play, it just words cannot describe how important he is defensively. And of course, the bat's always going to be a plus. You talked about it as much as it is a plus, and as much as he's been hitting the ball so good since the second half uh, of the season, um, it's still the defense is still the prime example or the just the leader and just to show how valuable it truly is for Matt Chapman to be defensive and how valuable it is for the team and of course how important it is and just to pretty much you know the highlight for him on this team is definitely leading that infield with defense because you know you see different situations with different players you know I hate to pinpoint or pick on people but of course there was a situation tonight uh, with Bo Bichette defensively, where uh, that basically costed the Jays one of their first leads heading into extras. You know, Matt Chapman able to kind of pick everybody up and to kind of lead the way in terms of, you know, the other way around, of course, making plays defensively and leading the way in the infield on the corner infield. It's it's truly special to watch. I mean, we know what we were getting into when Matt Chapman was traded here, and the fact that he is still playing at an elite level defensively is definitely something that, you know, it's just so assuring to see that from um, a third baseman to do that on this team and just to show how valuable he is again. Of course, the offense as well, which comes and of course it has showed up in the second half of the season. You got to love all around the performance from Matt Chapman and he definitely individually, like you were talking about, definitely one of the highlights from this series and definitely one of the reasons for, of course, especially the game two and the game three win, which were which was able to get the Jays on top and complete the sweep uh, over the Red Sox. Yeah, and you talked about, you know, the Boba Shed error, and I know it wasn't called an error, but later in the game, um, I think it was in the ninth, right? With uh, Reese McGuire batting, it was, you know, a play hit to right field to Oscar Hernandez. Should have been able to limit Reese McGuire to a single. Instead, the ball kind of skips past his glove and gets into that crazy right field corner at Fenway, and Reese McGuire ends up at third, and, you know, Praise be to Jordan Romano for getting out of that inning. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the sloppy-ish defense on in other parts of the field really goes to show just how dominant Matt Chapman is. And like I said, his offensive numbers are nothing to scoff at. He's got a 118 OPS plus this season. And for a guy that has a really good shot of winning a gold glove, man, oh, man, you take that every single day. Let's talk more about standouts on the offensive side of things. Because I want to talk about George Springer. Um, this guy, I we talk about unreal defense. George Springer is unreal offensively. I don't, I can't wrap my head around the fact that he goes on the injured list for 
10 days, 12 days, whatever it was, comes back and it's like he never left. And more than just never left, like he is at the top of his play. He is unreal right now. And I don't understand how one guy, and this isn't the first time that George Springer's done this. Like he has done this before where he's gone on the injury list, come back and dominated instantly. I don't understand how this guy can never miss a beat. And I'm so impressed. And that's what to me is redeeming him right now, because obviously the injuries have been rough to go through for the Blue Jays. But the fact that he can be injured and not miss a beat, come back and dominate, um, and of course, right now is when the Blue Jays need him to perform. The Blue Jays are paying him $150 million for September 1st onwards, essentially. And I know it's not quite September yet, but point being, they are paying him for the important games. He is that guy who, regardless what his regular season stats are, 2020, 2021, 2017, 2019, whatever year it was, George Springer comes into the postseason, he comes into games that matter, and he dominates. And that's what he did last weekend or this past weekend in New York. That's what he did in Boston. Just looking back at his stats, since he came back off the injured list August 15th, he has at least one hit in every single game. He has, let's count it, one, two, three, four multi-hit games. Um, And he also has a whole bunch of walks including today's game where he walked three times. And to me, that's the biggest indication that people just don't want to pitch to him right now because he's finding a way to whatever it is, get a hit and get on base. And we saw, you know, pinch hit appearances, first pitch instantly, a single to whatever it was, shallow right field or whatever. Like I I can't speak this guy's praises enough. I mean, he is just unreal. He's automatic. Um, whenever he comes to the plate, it seems like he always finds a way to make an impact and you're paying him for September. You're paying him for October. And the fact that he's been injured is a problem, obviously, but if he can keep this up in the games that matter, I don't care if he misses 40 games a year because this is what the Blue Jays are paying him for. And you can't complain with what he's doing right now. No. And I think the funny part or the most hilarious part to me is what you were talking about at the beginning is that. <clears throat> Sorry, the night before, or even just, he'll play well, but then the next day, he'll be dealing with some sort of issue. He'll come back, and then he'll pick up right where he left off. And we weren't able to discuss that because of the Yankee series, where he was dealing with a knee issue after he fouled the ball off his knee, and then he pretty much sat out the rest of the Yankee series. So, you know, he was already hot coming into that series, so I kind of had it in, in the back of my head, at least for me, is that, you know, when he comes back, is he going to be as hot as he was beforehand? You know, how long is it going to take him this time to get going? No no issues whatsoever. I mean, he took off right away, right coming right back off um, just after a couple days off. You were talking about it in terms of his stats. I mean, pretty much hitting 500, I think, over his last, or even over that, I should say, in his last seven games. And I think uh, a, w- a WRC plus of 314 in his last seven games, that was coming into tonight. And you were talking about it in terms of batting average. I think it's north of 600 over his last 25 at-bats. And, of course, that's probably going up even further after tonight's game. So I saw that, and it just shows you how valuable he truly is. And he, this is probably one of the best hot streaks that he's ever been on. And he's also doing this with a bad elbow. So that also raises some questions because I think a lot of people have also been discussing this and I'm not sure if you've seen it but I have a I have an I probably a good idea that you have in terms of 
the idea of now because of how good he's playing, and of course you want George Springer to be in the outfield in a perfect world, but if he's playing so well like he is right now, there really is no rush to get him back into center field because of that. And I know uh, the team was saying that he's probably still a little bit away, but he's getting closer to being in center field occasionally. You know, that also kind of raised, a, a not a debate, but just questions that, do you really want to mess with that in terms of putting him back in the outfield and maybe taking a risk if he lands on it, making a catch, or if he throws a ball and he re-aggravates his elbow? Do you really want to, you know, take that risk and just to sit, put him back in the outfield while he's swinging the hottest he's ever have at least for the first time in a long time? And I think the most important part is even you know, of course, he could be a really good fielder, but. The I think the most important part is is that you have to keep his bat in the lineup as much as you can. You want to keep him as healthy as you can for the rest of the season, like you were talking about it. You're paying him for September. You're paying him for October. So I thought that was an uh, interesting, I guess, conversation that people were having about that in terms of not rushing him. And, of course, I think also the fact that he is playing this well definitely gives, I guess, the Jays not as much pressure to move him back to center field as quick as maybe they imagined. Of course, you talk about it. If he's going to be DHing a lot, we all know that takes flexibility away from, you know, guys like Alejandro Kirk DHing a lot and other guys DHing a lot. That's the only downfall of it. But of course, if this is the only way to keep George Springer in the lineup, I guess, for the rest of the way, you know, kind of minim- minimizing as much risk as you can, maybe you do that a little bit more, or maybe you, you, you know, in terms of moving him back to center field, you take a little bit more of a, I guess, a little bit more patience, and you're a little bit more cautious with the move. That's the I think that's the good word to use. But in terms of this series alone, I mean, it's just crazy that even when not starting coming off the bench, um, he's making an impact. Uh, he had pretty much the same impact in New York in one of those the last game of the series where he came off the bench, quick pinch hit, and pretty much started a rally uh, in terms of that. So or was it, it was at some point during the Yankee series when he did that, and then all of a sudden he goes right, he's already replaced, but it just shows how valuable he can be even through one at-bat, and that was throughout this road trip. And, of course, with the Boston series, this entire team offensively, for the most part, plays really well at Fenway Park, and George Springer is also one of those guys who does that. And the fact that he's doing all... All of this, most of this without even hitting a home run is also more impressed or at least impressive with me because he's using all aspects of the field right now in terms of being hot. He is finding any possible way to get on base. And I think tonight was also a good, uh, another good showing from him at the plate with three walks. It's just crazy to see how good he is doing this, even with, I guess, essentially one elbow or one healthy elbow. And I think that also, you know, there's definitely a lot of questions in terms of, how much quicker, or I should say, how much longer until a move back to center field happens? You know, is it really worth the risk? So I'm curious to hear what you thought about that one, but I think that's definitely an interesting conversation that's been taking part over the last few days. Yeah, it's kind of the, I know the comparison a lot of people have been using is Bryce Harper because he's kind of done the same thing with the Phillies. They've just basically decided, look, you're, that is too valuable to risk you getting injured in the field as we have seen you do time in and time out. And yeah, I don't think it's absurd to suggest that with George Springer. Like obviously in a perfect world, he's going to be playing center field or, you know, playing right field. Maybe the Blue Jays move him there. Like that is where he's playing in a perfect world because he can still be impactful on that side of the ball. But if you're presented with a choice of him 
doing what he's doing now and impacting the Blue Jays in the way he is now or being on the injured list, like you take this 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100. Like, I don't know. I think it's a conversation the Blue Jays need to strongly consider in the offseason. I have a feeling at this point in the season, they have already kind of decided to take that approach. Whether they do that next year remains to be seen. But I, I mean, look, the situation the Blue Jays are in right now they have enough guys to do it. They have Whit Merrifield. They got him at the deadline. They have Jackie Bradley Jr. They signed him to a deal after the Red Sox DFA'd him. Like, they have the guys to do this. I don't see why you would say no if it keeps George Springer producing like he is right now. And, like, if you're handcuffed in a situation, if you get to the point where Whit Merrifield is injured or JBJ is injured or neither of them are performing offensively or for some reason their defense is atrocious like yeah you obviously push George Springer to be in the field but right now when you have the options when everything is clicking perfectly I don't see a point in risking it and I guess the downside is you take George Springer's bat out of the lineup if someone else needs a day off their feet like specifically Vladdy is the guy who that comes up with most often. I know Teoscar has got a few days off. Today, for example, Kirk didn't start because Jansen was behind the plate with Barrios on the mound and um, obviously Springer taking that DH spot. But I like to me, the impact that George Springer has right now and the status that we know what's going on with you know him fouling the ball off his knee and the issues with his elbow, like... It's too much to risk him playing in the field right now, and you can absolutely not lose his bat in the lineup at this point in the season with what the Blue Jays are going through, and of course their schedule down the line before the season's end in the first week of October. So yeah, I'm totally for it if it keeps him performing the way he is now, and I think it's a conversation the Blue Jays need to have and over the offseason certainly address it if they want to get more outfield depth so that he can be a full-time DH if that's what it comes to, and I think that's fine. Um do you have any thoughts to add on that? Not in particular with that, but I guess just to recap before we yeah. move on, I, final numbers through the road trip here. Runs per game was 5.43. Run differential was plus 20. Bullpen ERA was 1.93. And I guess just a couple other highlights that I had probably throughout um, this road trip. I think it's been very encouraging from what we've been seeing from Jose Brios. That's two straight starts now where he seems to be back to, you know, back to what we expect him or what we know him to be. I think that's really crucial for the starting rotation down the line. And of course, you know, everything else has been status quo, but I think that's also a really important highlight throughout the last two series is now that you've seen from him. Very important for the starting rotation uh, for that. But I just wanted to throw those final thoughts in there for sure. Yeah, that's huge. Um, especially with the struggles that he had gone through and hopefully, um, you know, the changes that he made, I think it was bringing his glove up higher before yeah. he, when he was getting set. And then also, I think it was his left shoulder turning it a little bit more yeah. before he threw the pitch. Hopefully, those adjustments pan out. And I mean, so far at least, they've panned out wonderfully. I know it's against two, like, obviously, offensively potent teams, but teams that have been struggling lately in the Yankees and the Red Sox. But hopefully, it can carry over down the line and. Um, you know, this is a conversation not for today, but for later, you know, who starts the third game in a three game wildcard series. 
you're going to have to have four starters regardless because of the way the schedule's lined up. You're going to need someone to start the first game of the ALDS, but whether it's Stripling or Barrios, I think the next month is going to be very important for determining. But we've already we got enough stuff to talk about today. That's a conversation for down the line. Um, the thing to talk about that didn't happen on the field, the Blue Jays or all of Major League Baseball releasing the 2023 schedule. Um, I don't know if there's anything in particular that stood out to you. I know the this is the first time that teams are playing every single team. So the Blue Jays got some cool trips to Los Angeles. They got a cool trip to Colorado. Um, we know that they're going to be playing every single NL team, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's on the road. So that'll be fun. I'm sure there's lots of awesome road trip possibilities for a lot of people. I know you're already <laughs> eyeing some, but I don't know if there's any specific series that stood out to you, but I'm just excited to get to see every single team. Absolutely. Um, the way it just, it was definitely bizarre seeing it in terms of seeing like every single team on the schedule. So I guess what they're doing, um, I mean, this was the only way that would make sense to me for the NL teams is that, you know, they have half the teams that are coming to Toronto, half the teams that the Jays are traveling to, and then they're going to alternate every year. So for example, I think the the Jays are in LA next year against the Dodgers in two years. I guess they'd be in Toronto, vice versa, like that. So that I guess for me um, was definitely interesting to see. Of course, also seeing that for AL East matchups. I mean, they're only going to New York or they're only going to Yankee Stadium. They're only going to Fenway Park. I think twice. So you play them. I guess you play your AL East div- division opponents just four times. Definitely a lot less, and it's definitely more of a variety for sure. And it's also more of a variety for road trips. I mean, you you just mentioned it. I mean, you also had a big road trip in June, um, or this past June. I haven't had a road trip uh, since the pandemic ended, or I guess, you know, the last couple of years. So I'm hoping to get back on that next year. And the fact that there's more of a variety to choose from is definitely intriguing. So I think that was definitely a highlight for me as well. And the fact that the Jays are going to be, you know, going to all these different NL parks, seeing all these teams that you don't usually see, seeing all these players that you don't usually see. I think that's also, for me, really exciting. But And, of course, the other thing, too, is another highlight is that they are starting uh, the season on a, that Big Ten game road trip, and I believe it was the team, from what I saw, requested that because of the renovations, obviously. So that gives them some time to you know, get that phase one renovations done at Rogers Center. And when you think about it too, it's definitely a tough way to start the year uh, in terms of that road trip. But of course, you don't want to think about it too much um, in advance just because of the season going on right now. And of course, it's just obviously a first glimpse at it next year was definitely intriguing. And of course, the fact that um, you have all the NL teams that you're going to play, less division opponents, this is way... I guess just a way to kind of balance it more for all thir- or 30 teams. And for a team like the Jays and the AL East, we all know how competitive it is. It definitely helps them out a lot compared to other teams in a weaker division. So you have that, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself right now because of the rest of the way and how exciting this team is right now. Uh, another fun fact before I throw it back over to you, um, this is the first back-to-back extra innings road game win for the Blue Jays. First times since April 5th and 7th, 2012 in Cleveland. So for when back-to-back extra inning road games for the first time since April 5th and 7th, and that was all the way back in Cleveland in 2012. So there you go. And that would have been the opening series, eh? Yeah. Wow. So basically... It would have been, yes. Including 2012, you've got... can't do math off the top of my head, but basically 10 full seasons <laughs> since that happened. Over, wow. yeah. yeah. Wow. Um yeah, I mean, I guess we'll close it with this because there's a quote that Arash Madani tweeted 
um, that apparently Matt Chapman and David Phelps have been saying this as kind of a slogan of sorts or um, I don't know what you want to call it, a mantra, but um, they've been saying something's happening with the Blue Jays. And I don't know, that just... (laughs) That makes me go crazy because I I mean you know like what that something is referring to that we're not going to mention but you know what it's referring to it's it's exciting and I I will say like we know this team runs hot and cold before this 6 and 1 stretch they sucked to put it bluntly and <laughs> yeah. so you can't get your hopes up too much you have to know that the highs are never as high as they appear and the lows are never as low as they appear but something's happening maybe um okay um we'll be back hopefully at the end of this next series against los angeles which before i get to the outro we have to do serious predictions for bryson what do you think is gonna happen well we all know how bad the la angels have been all year jays are riding hot you got mitch white uh going i guess tonight now from where we're recording but friday night alec manoa saturday and saturday is the marquee matchup of course alec manoa versus Shohei otani and that's also the day where the jays are celebrating the 92 93 world series team which is really um exciting it's going to be sold out i believe it already is sold out so that's going to be a fun game to attend or watch and of course you have ross tripling on sunday i know saturday is going to be tough for the offense because it is Shohei otani but I got to roll with the sweep. The LA Angels are just a disaster, and I'm really confident that they can do it this weekend, I know. Wow. Uh, I'll play it safe. I'm going to say two or three. That Shohei-Manoa matchup, I mean, clear your schedules. 3.07 p.m. on Saturday. That is going to be appointment viewing. Um, Yeah, two of three. I I don't have the same confidence as you, (laughs) but I hope. I hope. I hope they go on a six-game. Two or three is fine, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Two or three is good. Um, okay. Uh, three games against the Angels. As always, you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Just help spread the word about what we're doing here. You can stay up to date with everything we're doing on social media. That's at Section138Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, and um, as always, you can support our Patreon, patreon.com slash Section138Pod. Um, we'll be back Sunday. If everything goes as planned, we'll have Jacob back with us, which will be exciting. Uh, we'll have to. Oh, I all, can't wait. <laughs> all about his vacation. We were trying to arrange a cameo for today's episode. Did not work as it is 1234 as we wrap this up. But we're excited for three games against the Angels. Exciting baseball. And it's about to be September baseball. We'll catch you next time.